Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. Uniting coaches at every level of the game, around the love of the game, we are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linke. Hello again, everybody. Happy holidays to each and every one of you. Exciting time of the year. National championships are crowned, and we are getting closer to the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. With that, we kick off the show with Jeff Van Dusen, or as I call him, the czar of the convention. The man has got it done, making the convention the world's largest soccer show. Jeff Van Dusen is up first. Then four national championship coaches. The Georgetown Hoyas men, led by Brian Weiss. The Stanford Cardinal women, led by Paul Radcliffe. The Charleston, West Virginia D2 men, led by Dan Stratford. And then the Grand Valley State women out of Michigan, led by the Haas, Jeff Hostler. That's our show. It's a great one. We start with Jeff Van Dusen after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash NSCAA1. I am Dean Linky, and as I promised, we're kicking off the show with Jeff Van Dusen. He is the Director of Operations and Events for United Soccer Coaches. And for me, he is the czar of the biggest soccer show in the world, as he always takes care of the incredibly successful United Soccer Coaches Convention. That will be no different this year in Baltimore in mid-January, which is right around the corner, Jeff. We are under 30 days, ready to rock and roll Everybody excited about being in Baltimore. You're going to kick off the show to tell everybody why they should be there. If they haven't registered already, why they should start registering right now. Hi, Dean. Great to be here. Yeah, we're going back to Baltimore. I believe this is the seventh time we'll be there. And uh, we've got a fantastic coaching education program. We've got a fantastic exhibit hall where the business of soccer is done. We've got fantastic attendee engagements throughout the week. We're so excited to be back in beautiful city of Baltimore and, and uh, have that campus environment where you bump into old friends and and colleagues and former players, and you'll never know who you, you'll see there. And that's one of the wonderful things about this event. Baltimore, as you said, seven times. That means it works there. Why is Baltimore such an easy place to make this convention happen, Jeff? Baltimore, the, the downtown, the harbor area, is a unique setting for the convention center. It's surrounded by our 13 hotels, and they're all within a couple block walk. And there's some great evening activities that people can partake in and, and some great restaurants. And it's just that campus environment where, you know, everybody's in one place and, and you, you're able to to network, you're able to meet new people, you're able to run into people such as yourself, Dean, and uh, you're able to talk to people, and, and it's a pretty awesome environment. Part of the push the last couple years has been more international involvement, and I get the sense, you know, obviously Todd Bean is originally from America, but with him over there running Tovo in Barcelona, 
He's another one of our superstar presenters. He was on last week. How much international exposure will there be at this year's convention, Jeff? You know, another great presenter, uh, coach educator is Willie McNabb from Celtic FC. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got some other presenters from Benfica. We've got Pachuca. We've got Feyenoord. We've got the English FA. We're, we're, we're covered from the international side of things. We're, we're, we're real excited about the international flair that we're bringing to our coach education program. We're here with Jeff Van Dusen, the Director of Operation and Events for United Soccer Coaches, as he's our lead-off. Now, Jeff, following you, we're talk to four more championship coaches. And another part of the convention, and really more importantly, bigger than the convention, another part of United Soccer Coaches' focus is rewarding the great coaches, the great athletes, the All-Americans, the, the people that have received lifetime achievements, that type of thing. Most likely, these four coaches will probably win Coach of the Year awards as well. That's usually how the, how it goes down. Why is that also a key part of the convention? One of the neat things is is celebrating our 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 year, um, all the way youth through professional, uh, both players and coaches, is the ability to be in the same room with those coaches, and uh, it, it's an opportunity for these coaches and for you as a coach to intermix with these with these coaches of the year with the staff of the year as you know it's not just the head coach it's it's your whole staff and everybody's there and um, it's an awesome environment to uh, interact with each other get uh, you know talk a little bit about their year talk a little bit about your year it's uh, it's an awesome environment to to be able to network and get to know uh, other coaches and and celebrate all the wonderful achievements of the 2019 season. I know the MLS draft is changing a little bit, but MLS is also there. So is NWSL. They make this convention a key part of starting their year as well, right, Jeff? Yeah, the NWSL, we're so excited to continue to have their college draft. That, that'll be on Thursday. Uh, they've got a few sessions as well. Uh, Laura Harvey is a, is a fantastic presenter. Let's see, we've got MLS. They're going to have their affiliate program there uh, on the Tuesday and Wednesday prior and then intermix throughout the convention. And also the MLS, uh, they've, got, they've got 16 sessions uh, mixed throughout the whole week. And so a bunch of clubs there are, are represented, and um, I'm excited about some of their sessions. It's, it's, you, can, you can see all the sessions. Uh, actually, you download the uh, Baltimore Convention app. At, uh, you can just search in your app store with the B-M-O-R-E, so B-M-O-R-E-20, B-M-O-R-E-20. And uh, you'll get the most updated schedule and all the diplomas, all the all the, the professional development certificates, who's presenting, all of everything is on that, on that schedule, on that app. Jeff Van Dusen, always the man, B-M-O-R-E-20. Jeff, a couple other things that you want people to know about the convention. I know we're going to have podcast rollback. I'm looking forward to that. That was a big success last year and what was kind of a trial thing. It blew up. I think we're going to have even more podcasts unless you tell me differently, but that's just another element. What else do you want to share about this year's convention, Jeff Van Dusen? One of the cool things is is our partnership with Adidas and, and their interactive area. I know that they've got a uh, uh, a pretty cool plan on how to engage the uh, the attendees throughout the convention. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. 
Uh, in the exhibit hall, this is a brand new area that we have. It's called the Innovation Hub, and this is uh, brought to you by Verizon. And it's all around the technology of the game. And so there's going to be special presentations about uh, the technology in the game. And we've got uh, 12 kiosks representing the different companies and their technology of the game. And, and that's going to be a really cool interactive area that, that attendees can go and find out, you know, how they can use the technology in the game to help be a better coach and help their team. So that, that, those are a couple of cool areas that we have. And, of course, we've always got the uh, exhibit hall, which has over 300 companies that uh, is the business side of the game and, and see the latest and greatest, everything from equipment to fundraising to travel companies to tournaments. It's, it's, an, amazing, it's an amazing exhibit hall, largest in the world. Finally, Jeff, because it's about participation, it's about networking, and there's still time, and they still have some time to be registered and get there. So knowing that there's still time, people that are listening right now that are on the fence that are wondering, hey, is there still time? Can I still get there? Why should they go online and register right now? I tell you what, there's something for everyone. There's different tracks for youth coaches, high school coaches, college coaches, assistant coaches, director of coaches. We've also got the club leadership aspect of the game where board members and that can come in and, 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 and get some good tips and education on how to run soccer clubs. We've also got some uh, special doc topic diplomas such as advanced youth technical training, futsal, finishing and goalkeeping, which I think is a really cool uh, d diploma. That's that's about, you know, teaching goal scorers and goalkeeping and how coaches can combine those two in your training sessions to get the max out of both. Uh, we've got sport performance, technology for the player and the coach, urban soccer diplomas. We, we've got it all, Dean, and, and there is definitely something for everybody. So I encourage people to go to unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org and, and find out more and sign up, and, and we'll see you all in Baltimore. Jeff Van Dusen, 11 years. Every year, Jeff, not that you weren't good before, but every year you sound like the guy that should be hosting this podcast. You are money on this podcast. You crush it. always enjoy spending time with you and uh, setting the table for this year's convention in Baltimore. I can't wait to see you there. It's an honor for me to be involved. I appreciate you letting me be involved, and I appreciate you kicking off today's show. You're the best, Dean. Thank you so much for having me. We'll see you in Baltimore. All right, we're talking to four championship coaches. Up next, Brian Weiss gives Georgetown their first national championship. He is first in Paul Ratcliffe, then we'll talk to D2 champs. Jeff Van Dusen, great to be with you. We're rolling on here. United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Registration is now open for the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. Make your plans to join us January 15th through the 19th for five days of coaching education, networking, meal and social functions, award presentations, and more. Register before December 11th to secure the best rate. Visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org to learn more. The United Soccer Coaches Convention, your event for all things coaching. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Jeff Van Dusen, the Director of Events for United Soccer Coaches and czar of the 2020 convention just around the corner in Baltimore, where I can guarantee you'll see Brian Weiss. He's already a big, tall man, but he's going to be strutting maybe even a little bit more because the Georgetown Hoyas are the national 
champions. That's right, Georgetown knocking off Virginia. An exciting game, 3-3, then penalty kick. Crazy weekend, crazy weather on Friday. Get through that one, Brian. And now you got the trophy, my man. You got the trophy. How's it feel? Uh, thanks, Dean. Uh, great. Yeah, it feels great. I think the the journey of a of a, of a long season, you know, really starting from January and uh, with a group of players and and seeing it seeing it uh, almost for a full twelve months run its course and. You know, I think it's it seeing a great group of kids. I mean, really, it's a special group of kids. You know, run the run the table and and uh, have a, a exceptionally fun and special year. It was it was it's it's very gratifying for sure, for sure. So yeah, it's a it's a it's still a bit of a of a blur and and uh, surreal. And, you know that it, that happens. I, I had long ago uh, come to peace with the fact that I'm a coach for 40 years and never win the never win the thing because it's so. So hard to do, um, and to actually get to get one is 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 special for sure. Well, and I like that you started talking about what special kids these are, and from where I sit, and of course, you know what I think are matters means very little. But I can tell you, having called games for twenty five years, I'll never forget this year doing your game against Maryland on FS1. I was out kicking the ball around with. Chris Doran, I hope you don't have any footage of me kicking the ball around, by the way. But before we get started... It broke a couple cameras. I think it broke a couple cameras. <laughs> and then some. But before practice even started, every one of your players came up to Chris and I and shook our hand and thanked us for being there. And I'm you know, sure maybe you told him to do that. I don't know. But that kind of just talks about the quality of the kid. Every single one. Freshman, sophomores, juniors, seniors, redshirt players, injured players. That's the kind of kid you have there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, um, you know, it, the funny thing is, is, is the first, the first uh, thing we did in, in the in the in the winter, we we ran a, an ID clinic for for high school age prospects on campus, and it was like late January, early February, and all the guys came out to to help with it, and. It, it ended up being one of the worst weekends you could possibly imagine for weather, right? It was sideways rain slash sleet and snow and wind. We're out there with these high school kids, and our guys were having a great time. They were they had a great time, and it was miserable. And not one of them complained. Not, not a single one was like, what on earth are we doing out here? And it, 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 they just had a great time. They loved being together because – you could put them in any setting, and as long as they're together, they were having fun. They were, they were, they were enjoying it. And that was one of the first times, and I didn't really sort of twig to like, oh, this is going to be a great season with these groups. But it really struck me at that point. It's like, these are great kids. They just like playing soccer and they like being together. And, you know, that, that was one of the things like, well, I think they'll like each other. I think the chemistry is going to be fun and good. Um, and, you know, that was one of those things where you said, it's just, they're, they're great kids. You know, they're really great kids and they try to do things the right way. And, you know, they, they're, they're very much, uh, aware of other people and I think how they're perceived and, and, and the impact they can have in the community. They, they're, they're very giving of their time. You know, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I think that for me, uh, whether we won or lost this whole thing, this was going to be a special year just because, uh, of, of the fun we were having together. Well, and you know what? It's, I like that phrase, giving of their time, because this is my transition, but they're even giving of their time as far as how you played them, because mm-hmm. you have so many weapons. One of my favorite quotes from you is, 
you're rolling along and things are doing okay, but you'll look over at the bets and be like, wait, that guy needs to be playing. That guy needs to be playing. I got to get guy, that guy in there. I love that yeah. quote, Brian, and yet you were able to make it work even in the College Cup. You got guys off the bench. Even Achara, who looked like he couldn't walk, gave you what you needed, right, to mm-hmm. help get mm-hmm. that big goal in there. It worked up from start to finish, right? Yeah, it, it, it was um... – it, it became kind of the identity of the group in, in, in a lot of ways, but I think it was one of those things when you look at preseason, um, day one of preseason, the guys were, were showing up and were like, all right, well, who's, who's our core of guys and who's going to make it happen? And, um, and training was fun and competitive, and, and you, you play your preseason games, and um, it didn't really matter how we shuffled the guys in and out of the game for which lineup was going to play this half of this preseason game and which – was going to play that half of that preseason game. The guys, they all, it all looked like us, right? It looked like when I asked us, I mean, you know, a Georgetown soccer team, right? This is what we value and how we play and how we defend and how we press and how we, you know, and, and it didn't matter who we were putting on or what, what groups in those preseason games. It looked like us. And then you're like, well, okay, well, that uh, we can try this and that. And and I think, you know, one of the, the, the great moments where you're, you're sitting there saying, boy, we, we really have something was when we went out on the early California trip to UC Irvine and UCLA. And um, the UCLA game, we went down one nothing, and, and UCLA was awfully good. And, you know, 20, 25 minutes into the game, it's like, boy, this is going to be a, a dogfight. And and, um, uh, and we made our first batch of substitutions about halfway through the half. And um, our substitutes came on and totally changed the game. And... Uh, Zach Riviere came on, scored a hat trick, and Paul Rothrock, I think, was a substitute for that game. Um, he scored an unbelievably good goal. Um, uh, and then these other pieces just were good. And you're saying, well, okay, you know, that's, that's helpful. <laughs> so we'll keep, every time we gave, uh, uh, a member in our, of our team a chance in a game to go on and do something they delivered this year. And, that just reinforced them to give to, to us as a staff to give them another chance, another chance. It's just what the team became. But I think the, the, the special thing about the team was the guys who were taken off weren't grumpy coming off. They were happy for the guy coming off for them. And the guys who, who weren't starting but would come on weren't begrudging the fact that they weren't starting. Like they just, they recognized they were a part of a bigger machine and everyone had jobs. And they didn't control necessarily who I was starting and who I was bringing on as reserve. They just could control the time they had on the field. And, you know, that became, I think that that's a tribute to our seniors and, and our older guys um, because you get some group think there that, uh, hey, this is just what it's going to be and, and we're having fun doing it and we're, we're, we're having some, some great results along the way. And, um, and the same thing happened to our goalkeepers. We, we, we cycled our goalkeepers. Um, yeah. they game, game on, game off, and those guys, I, you know, I never had one moment of any kid, not just the goalkeepers, not one kid walked in the office at some point and said, hey, now, I'm really frustrated with this. And, and it's just a remarkable thing uh, to run a season with, with a roster of, you know, 27, 28 guys, and not one of them comes in and says, I'm really frustrated I'm not playing, or I'm really frustrated I'm not starting, or I'm really frustrated I'm starting and not playing as many minutes as I think I should be. It never once happened, not a single conversation. And uh, for me, that's why we won. I love that. I, I like the fact that you had freshmen come in and do great things. You got Wu scoring 
his first career goal in Cary where he played before <laughs> yeah. for North Carolina State. That's amazing. You got transfer coming in from Notre Dame who's got mm-hmm. four sisters and they're way out in Seattle and one of them's having a baby and yet he's staying focused on it and rock yeah. rock, great personality, Achara, you know, dealing with the injuries, fifth year seniors, first year freshmen, like you said, <laughs> rotating goalkeepers. I mean the whole yeah. way through everybody bought in. Yeah, and, and, and this is probably an indictment on my coaching, but I didn't realize until later that night uh, when we won the, the 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 championship, I was we, we had we had uh, three of our first six normal shooters. We always write out our list of penalty kick takers. You have ten ten guys, and you sort of all right, here's the group. If we go to penalties. This is this would be the group I'd like to to take penalties, and this is the order we want to take them in for these reasons. Sort of overthink penalties all the time as coaches. And you put that list together, and then when it came to time to sh- to, to shoot the penalties, three of our first six preferred uh, shooters were unavailable through injury. Achara um, uh, was having bad cramps. Uh, Nealis's both calves went for cramps. Hamstrings were gone. Uh, Dottie had a a, – Derek Dawson had an amazing dead leg, which made it really hard for him to move. He didn't feel comfortable taking one. Um, And these are kids that are wanting to take these, too. These aren't kids who are like, ah, this is too big a moment. They wanted to be on there taking it. And And to their credit, they were they were like I don't think it's a good idea I don't feel right you know and and they knew that if they didn't feel right physically that might affect their you know do they not feel right mentally which is a big part of the penalty uh, kick shootout and so we're sitting here saying well three of our top six guys are unavailable we have to move this thing up the ladder and so we we filled it in and as best we could but what I didn't really what didn't really tweak to me until well after was the fact that um, we had five freshmen involved in the penalty kick shootout for a national championship. We had a freshman goalkeeper right. was in it. Uh, uh, Dante Bovara. Uh, uh, we had uh, Daniel Wu, Aiden Rocha, and uh, Will Sands, who was going to be the next shooter if uh, if it went eight rounds. Will was going to take one. That's, uh, that was every one of our freshmen who was healthy. We had six freshmen, uh, five healthy freshmen for the, for the game. All five of them were involved in the penalty kick shootout, which if I had thought about that, I probably would have changed my mind on a couple of them. That's a lot of young cats out there. Um, but to, to to their credit, very quickly this year, we never thought about the season as well. We need we need more seniors. We have freshmen. We have to. We we had um, a wonderful blend of 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 different ages out there all year, but our freshmen didn't ever never felt like freshmen. Both both um, in terms of how they were playing, but also. Just how they integrate the team integrated as a as a really unified group of players, not seniors and freshmen and sophomores and juniors. It was just a group of guys that got on really well. And so I never it, it never really had a, a sense of, but well, we have too many freshmen on the field at this point of time. Uh, we have too many freshmen taking these penalty kicks. It just was players, and uh, I think that was also a tribute to the guys in, in, in creating that environment because that happened both on and off the field. It was Brian Weiss, the top man for the Georgetown Hoyas. They set a new program record for wins. They finished 21-3, and and folks, it was not a cupcake schedule. It was tough. They snapped a 10-game unbeaten streak for Virginia. This was the highest-scoring championship game since 1980 as Georgetown finished the season on a 17-game unbeaten streak. Let's just talk about both games because – 
Friday was miserable. I mean, the mm. weather was just, it was terrible, but you did what you had to do is you got out to that lead and then you held it and you kept on pressing. You didn't bunker in, coach. You kept on going. Mm. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, you got to be careful that you don't change your DNA too much when you're in these big games and score lines and conditions. You have to you have to manage the conditions. And I thought the guys uh, that, those Friday games were really tough. Um, and and thank goodness the 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 the, the fields there at Wickman Park were as well maintained and and the drainage was as good as it was because it made it playable. There, there when he first when I first got to the field before that game, I was wondering, are we going to be able to play a game? You know, there's, they were squeegeeing tidal waves of water off the field. Um, because, you know, you, you just need time. A good, even a well, well, uh, put together drained field needs time to, to remove the water. And there's just the rain was coming down at such a, um, uh, a high volume that it just, it, you just would deal with, 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 with a lot of water. Um, the, the good news was it wasn't windy, right? So it was rain. It was wet. It was a really wet day and you had to manage that. But, you know, it, it was a game that the guys had to very quickly figure out what they could and couldn't do in 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 and around our own desires for what we, we could and couldn't do. And I thought the guys did a good job understanding, you know, the the, the need to be a little more pragmatic um, in a style of, of play, I think, was was there. And, and um, you know, I, I thought the guys handled it really well. I thought the guys battled wonderfully well against the Stanford team that, you know, they're known for finding ways to win. In whatever the conditions, they're immensely, incredibly tough group, and and uh, you know, in in in, uh, in a lot of ways, I thought our guys uh, really stepped up in, in in a way mentally over the weekend. And in that game, um, you know, they they really want, I really wanted to win that game, and, and they they in less than ideal conditions found a way to 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 play the game optimally, and and uh, you know. Finding a way not to go to penalties against Stanford was was wonderful. If the Stanford doesn't lose in penalties ever, uh, so we we were happy to avoid that. Well, then Sunday it was the first time since 1959 that two teams from the Washington D.C. region have faced each other in the finals. And here that game goes, and you've got to deal with as a coach coaching a team that falls behind. Then you got to deal with coaching a team that takes a lead, but then surrenders that lead. Then you got to deal with a team, as you said, that has all these superstars that can't take the penalty kick. So Mm -hmm. take me inside the mind of Brian Weiss. What do you say to your team when they fall behind? What do you say to your team when they go ahead yet lose that lead that you would have liked to have thought, you know, hey, we got this, right? We got Mm -hmm. this, no problem. And then last thing, so it's three questions. What do you say to your team as you huddled up before the PKs? Yeah, it's it's um, you know the, the the group the group has handled a lot of the stuff well a lot of a lot of the things that we've gone through um, and, and I think when you when you when you have a season where they found ways to win as many ways as they have they've we've been behind uh, on occasion in, in big moments um, as it went I mean uh, uh, our Big East final we were losing to a really good Providence team um, uh, in the, in the second half and they they responded wonderfully. Um, to that pressure situation, we, we're losing to Jamie Clark's Washington team, which was a fantastic team um, at home, and we were we had almost nothing going on uh, relative to how we normally uh, were running games. Um, we were losing one nothing with about 20 minutes left, and they just they they they, they never really showed panic in that in that um, 
situation and scored two good goals in in succession to to go up and so they've kind of been through it before. I think it's um you know losing the early goal was 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 a frustration, but um you know it's just different guys stepped up in different times all year and that happened again. You know Rothrock scored a goal and, and to tie it not you know maybe what ten minutes ten minutes or so after we went down and and then uh, Danny Wu who hasn't scored all year you know puts us up and. It, it, it's it's uh, it's just what was the, the team's uh, uh, DNA for for how how to get through. So someone someone's going to do it. He's got to keep playing away, and, and there's a huge amount of belief. Um, but I think the mental toughness of the group is great because you know you're up two to one. We concede a uh, a, a goal uh, to make it two two. Um, we then go up with a goal that should have won the game with about nine minutes left. You know, Tachara and Derek Dodson combined really well to, to finish, and you're like, well, there you go. That's our that's what we've done all season. We're going to win this game. We don't concede goals. You know, we I think the Virginia and, and, and Georgetown were the top two teams in terms of goals against average all year. So you have two teams that just aren't used to conceding any goals. And so we're sitting there at 2-2 being like, wow. Neither of us have done this before <laughs> this year. We don't we don't get these big scoreline games. This is kind of good. And then once we got the third one, we're like, well, there you go. That's us. That's we've we've got it pegged. And um and but you're you're playing a championship kind of caliber team in Virginia that finds a way to equalize. And I think that was a moment that was telling for our group is when you think you've got a national championship coming in in, in your back pocket and you're five minutes away from it, and and, you, and then you can see the goal. All the momentum has shifted to Virginia at that time, going into a late game scenario, going into an overtime, and you know the, the boys. The boys, I think, were, were obviously frustrated to concede the goal, but they weren't defeated. You know, they they came off the field and just they, you know you could tell they're like, well, we got more work to do, so here we go. And and uh, they, they were very resilient. Uh, and and then and then the penalties were. You know, we, we, we practice penalties and, and it's the same, it's the same, same thing you're going to tell any group is when you get to penalties is just do what you do. Trust how you take your penalties. You know, we employed a training technique that we got from, from England for when they actually finally won a penalty kick shootout in the World Cup. They, they're one of the things that they have done was they, they trained the penalty kick in a way where they were, they would tell the goalkeeper what side they were going to go to. So the goalie knew where he was going to go and they were still, uh, uh, gonna try to endeavor to score, uh, even though the goalie knowing what side. And so that trained them how to take the proper penalty, right? You have to hit it well, and you have to be accurate. And if you can still score on a goalkeeper that knows which side you're going to, then you feel pretty good about being able to score on a goalie that's guessing. And, um, and, and so I think it's hot the, what I would say, like, how to properly take a penalty, how to hit it properly. And, um, and I think when you look through the penalty kick shootout, I think we went seven deep, and we went seven to six. All seven penalties were well hit; they were well taken. And uh, I think that that they had some confidence in in their ability to do it right based on on their training. And, and uh, you know, so even though we didn't have a you know, three of our preferred penalty kick takers, I think the group as a whole felt good about how to do it. And then you just hoping that you know mentally they're strong enough to stand up there and. And, and take care of business, which they which they did. It was great. And Brian, if you've listened to this show enough, you know and understand, you know, very firmly that no matter who was the coach for Georgetown, in some way, it's all about me. Uh, just so you know, because uh, after the game, I got cornered by Richard Broad. He said, "What do you think after the Georgetown Maryland game?" I said, "One, Georgetown's the best team. Nilas Nilas is the best player." 
and I got to hang out with Rock, Rock, Rock and Woo, who also made first team. And we started the show with Sean Zawadzki, Brian. So I get all the credit for all of it, okay? So just so you should eat book. <laughs> you should. I'll give you. I'll give you that kind of credit. And how about that? Like that's a, I, I don't think I ever talked about that in the, in the recruiting process. Sean Zawadzki, boy, he, he took his time trying to make his decision, which was great. And he had, uh, you know, he had, he had, he he was someone that we knew pretty well. And and uh, you know, you sort of check in with him every so often, and be like, hey, how you doing, Sean? Are you? What do you talk talk to me about your decision and your timing? When are you going to make a decision on school? And and he was like, oh, coach, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just sort of thinking about it. And, and uh, I've really got it down to two schools. And he says, I'm either, I, I either want to go to Georgetown or I'm going to go to Virginia. I'm like, okay, well, that's nice. And, um, and, uh, uh, and then you, you check in with him a week or two later and he's like, hey, you know, how are you doing? He's like, oh, no, good coach. I'm either going to go to Georgetown or, or Virginia. And I'm like, okay, okay. And, and that would go on for, that went on for like a couple months. And you're sort of wondering, well, what's he, cause he's, he's like, I'm not visiting anywhere else. That's it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's good. So, well, well, let me know when you figure it out. And, <laughs> and he called and he said, uh, hey, coach, I just want to let you know that, uh, and I'm sitting there saying, no, if, he, if he's coming to us, he would have said he's coming, right, by now. You know, there's something about Virginia he's waiting on. Whatever. And he calls and says, hey, coach, I want to let you know, I, I really want to go to Georgetown. I'm ready to commit to it. I'm like, oh, that's great, right? And I think back in that time and I'm like, I would have been far more panicked on that decision of his had I known how good this was going to be for us when he got here. And thank God he didn't go to Virginia. I couldn't imagine, <laughs> imagine trying to win that game without him in our in our side and him somehow in their team. I, I don't know. There's like no chance. There's no chance. I mean, that kid's, that kid's, that kid's the real deal. He's fantastic. Yeah, they all are. I mean, I so enjoyed talking to Rothrock as well. I love that. You know, even though he didn't play a ton of minutes, he made the most of his minutes and, and that type of thing. So, obviously, I was kidding about the other thing because rather than making it about me, I am going to make something happen. I'm going to start the letter campaign because we know about Chris Miltenberg. He won a cross-country title in 2011. There's some guy named John Thompson or something like that that won a championship in 84. But this is just the third. So, Two things got to happen. One, we got to have the per- permanent parking spot, and two, we need to start working on the Brian Wee statue. So you tell me which order those, those need to happen, Brian, and we'll get started on that. <laughs> I, I tell you, uh, a parking spot is uh, no question where you <laughs> that would you prioritize that or anything. Georgetown, if you can get parking, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, 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 that's a big deal. So I. I don't think a national championship's even even going to give me that, but it's, I would I would take that one. That would be by far the, the preference. Uh, and no one wants to see a, a big permanent statue of a of a of a uh, overweight sort of big tall guy standing there. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. No one wants. To, I don't want to see that. No one wants to see that. So I'll take the parking spot. Yeah, work on that. There you go. I'll give you big and tall. You're definitely not overweight. You are one of the great men of soccer on and off the field. And guess what now, Brian? You're a national champion head coach. The Georgetown Hoyas win it all. Thanks so much for being on the program. We'll see you in Baltimore. Everybody's going to want to see you, Coach. Soak it all in. Enjoy it. You've earned it. You deserve it. Congratulations. I appreciate it, Dean. You're the best as always. So thanks, thanks for having me on. Now's the time to advance your coaching career and register for a United Soccer Coaches Winter Residential Course. These courses will be held January 6th through the 10th in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 
Earn one of the five advanced diplomas offered this January and add to your coaching resume. Remember to register before December 6th to beat the price increase. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org for more information. I want to thank Jeff Van Dusen for kicking off the show, setting the table for the 2020 convention in Baltimore. It's going to be a great several days in Baltimore, as it always is. We do hope to see, although it's a long way to make it, we hope to see Paul Radcliffe in 16 years. He's got three national championships. They won it again this year out in his neck of the woods, ironically, and he's a repeat customer on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Always a pleasure, Paul. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. As you said uh, before we got on the air, it never does get old, right? Winning a national championship, that's why these young ladies go to Stanford, as you know well, that and several other reasons. But certainly uh, winning national championships is part of the program. Coach, tell us what it means. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an incredible feeling to win the, the championship. Um, you know, my student athletes work so hard uh, to achieve that goal. And, you know, most years it's it's difficult to, to accomplish, um, so when you hit those years that uh, you can achieve it, obviously it's special. And, um, you know, I, I think this year it was even more significant because we went to PKs where you see how close it was that you didn't win. So it was kind of lying in the balance. Um, so really proud of the group and uh, overall, you know, an incredible year. And uh, it was a fantastic team to coach. Yeah, incredible years. You only had one loss on the season, and you mentioned a fantastic team to coach. I mean, great offense. You scored 99 goals. You only gave up 12. You were led by three players that had more than 30 points. Madison Haley had 36 points, and Sophia Smith, 43 points. And then Katarina, she went off with 87 points, 32 goals, 23 assists. You've seen a lot of amazing years, but that's got to be right up there, no? Yeah, we had a lot of weapons, um, so that definitely helped this year. But I think, you know, if you talk to our team, they would say it was a, a team concept with a lot of balance on our squad. Um, defensively, we were very strong. Our midfield was solid, and up front, we had a lot of weapons. Um, so it was definitely a team effort, but the three players you mentioned, you know, Madison, Sophie, and Kat, are truly, you know, outstanding players and had phenomenal years, and that kind of tipped things over for us to win the championship. And like North Carolina, you had not one but two goalkeepers that played a ton of games. Obviously, Katie Meyer was outstanding, but Lauren also played a ton. Coach, talk about having two goalkeepers. Yeah, great luxury to have, and I think it's important to have, you know, two really strong goalkeepers. Um, both Lauren Rude and Katie Meyer were phenomenal we were kind of balancing them out through the year, you know, one game and then the other one would take a little bit of a break. Um, you know, and ultimately Katie Meyer ended, you know, as our goalkeeper. Um, she was great competitor, great personality, and she was key, obviously, in the, the PK shootout to, to win the College Cup. Um, but obviously really happy to have two solid goalkeepers. And then if there's any injuries, you don't have to stress. I think that's always the coach's biggest stress is, you know, what if you get a, a big injury and goalkeeping is hard to replace. So having two was, was key to our success this year. You also have a great coaching staff. Earlier this year, we spoke to Marguerite as she was a member of the outgoing United Soccer Coaches 30 under 30 class, but you've got Hideki. Just talk about your coaching staff because it's a nice mixture, really, of men and women. Yeah, I know I have an amazing coaching staff. Um, Hideki does an incredible job. Um, he 
is our associate head coach. I've been with him for a few years now. He's a great person, not just a great coach, incredible recruiter, and really good tactician. So I really enjoy working with him. He's been incredible for the team. And then Marguerite's a great young up-and-coming coach. Um, I've known her for a long time from uh, MVLA Soccer Club, and she's uh, she's an incredible coach. Very good with technical skills and runs a lot of our uh, training sessions. So she's she does an amazing job and also an incredible person. So I'm really lucky to have such a good staff. And beyond them, even our athletic trainer, our strength and conditioning coach, our whole group that we had, our whole staff um, was an amazing group. So we were really fortunate. Here with Paul Ratcliffe, the most successful coach in more than 100 years of Stanford soccer, both men and women. Never failed to be in the NCAA tournament, the winningest soccer coach, over 320 victories, getting it done on the farm. And you think about coaches, Paul, I like the fact uh, you're always very stoic. Um, you do a great job. You always kind of give a lot of the credit to your players and coaches. But this time around, a little more reflective with the passing of Ziggy Schmidt. You played for Ziggy. What did he mean to you, Paul? Yeah, I know Ziggy was a great mentor to me. He was kind of a father figure. Um, for a lot of the players that he coached, um, you know, obviously spending a lot of time with him at UCLA, I got to know him really well. And then after my career at UCLA, um, we became even closer as friends, and he really helped me throughout my entire um, coaching career. He's someone I could pick up the phone whenever I wanted and just have a chat with him and say, hey, I need some advice, and he'd always take the time for me. Um, so just a great man and, and, you know, so sad to see him pass because um, he did so much for, for so many people and so much for soccer in the United States. Um, he's definitely someone who built soccer in the United States. And, uh, you know, I'm really I'm really proud to say he was a friend of mine and, and one of my, my coaches. Paul, uh, you won it in 11, you won it in 17, you won it in 19. You've been to multiple college cups. It's almost like now a, a yearly ritual. What has kind of been the, the secret to your success, the foundation of the Cardinal women's program to make, that makes you a regular in the College Cup? Well, I think the secret is I have a great coaching staff. Um, that helps my assistant coaches do an amazing job. And then I think Stanford attracts great scholar athletes. Um, so I'm really fortunate to be at a university that's attracting the top-level student-athletes. And then my coaching staff um, and myself, we have to create the right environment um, that they can continue to grow um, strive for excellence. So I think it's the combination of those two things um, that makes us a, a perennial power. And uh, you know, I give I give all the credit to my student athletes, though, that they're willing to work hard um, and want to learn and want to get better and uh, want to achieve at the highest level. Because I'm really fortunate to have coached so many incredible players through the years. I think we're all really fortunate right now in this era of women's soccer, knowing that the women won their second World Cup, knowing what the NWSL is doing, knowing there's going to be several more Stanford players joining the NWSL and continue to play as professionals even before they become doctors and lawyers and all the other cool things we have. And I've asked you this before, but now more than ever, what a time to be involved in women's soccer, right, Paul? No doubt about it. Um, women's soccer is exploding to the upside. I think there's a lot of growth. The level of player is increasing. Um, the level of coaching is increasing. I think it, we're really moving in the right direction. So I'm excited for the future of women's soccer. 
And if we follow the path of men's soccer, you look at the MLS, how much that has exploded during my lifetime or my career, um, I think we have a really bright future. So I'm excited about what we're doing, and um, we have so many passionate people that care so much about the development of our players, and, uh, the, and the players are really reaping the benefit of uh, being around at, at the right time for the explosion of, of women's soccer. Game is over. You win on penalty kicks. You walk over. You take the hand of man who's... It's 122. You only have 19 more to go. What was your conversation like with the legend that is Anson Doran? Yeah, I know Anson. I have a ton of respect for Anson, all he's done to develop women's soccer over the years. Um, he's, he's won a ton of championships, so he knows what it's like to be on the other side and win. Um, but he was very polite and just said, good job, Paul. Congrats. Um, but, uh, yeah, a ton of respect for Anson. And they could have went either way, obviously, in PKs. So we were very fortunate, and uh, they gave us a great battle in the in the championship game. So much respect to the UNC team and, and their coaching staff. Now's the time where a lot of awards will be handed out. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if you got Coach of the Year as well. I know you'll say uh, it's more about the players, and there's a very good chance yet again that uh, you'll be in St. Louis watching one of your players win the Mack Herman Trophy, as you guys have uh, kind of made that routine what does it mean when one of your players wins the very best player in college soccer well it's a great honor um you know i've been fortunate to have a few players win the back room and to see the see the the smile on their face and how they light up is extraordinary and uh, my goal as a coach is always to develop my student athletes to their potential and allow them to reach their um goals and dreams so whenever I can uh, get someone to win the Matt Kerman Trophy as the greatest individual player, it's a huge accomplishment. And then if you say, hey, well, what's next for them? They're obviously going to get great opportunities moving forward, and that's my goal is to develop them to get them next opportunities after Stanford, you know, whether it be on the national team or playing professionally. Um, you know, that, that's my goal. So it's a, it's a great achievement. Um, and something that uh, really excites us at Stanford, and uh, you know, hopefully that can happen again this year. You're coaching all these women. You've done it uh, for over 16 years, and you also have two daughters at home. Are they involved in the game at all, Coach? Uh, what's their future as far as uh, athletics and academics? So, yeah, so I have two daughters, 18 and 16, and um, actually my 18-year-old, we just found out she got approved to go to Stanford, so we're really excited about that. And then my 16-year-old, I actually coach her club team, believe it or not, in my spare time because I have so much spare time. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm coaching her in the evening. So she's playing soccer and loves it. Um, so, yeah, I'm really proud of both my daughters. And uh, they have a really good balance with academics and athletics. And, uh, and they're, they're great kids. Speaking of pride, uh, just two more questions here. I actually was able to meet your AD a couple years ago as – Stanford was beating Indiana in the championship game in Philadelphia, and I, I know he's got some great daughters that are playing different sports, even in different schools, but what a great athletic director. Just talk about working for him. Yeah, Bernard's an incredible guy. Um, I have a very good relationship with Bernard. Uh, he's done an incredible job at Stanford. The amount of national championships we've been winning um, during his tenure is, is truly remarkable. Um, but the key takeaway for me is Bernard just is a great guy, great family. Um, his wife and his kids, they're all supportive of Stanford women's soccer and all Stanford athletics and just really, really down to earth, nice people. And, uh, yeah, I'm really fortunate to work for such a, a great person at the top.
Yeah, I call some volleyball, so I think his daughter's going to be playing volleyball at Duke in a year or two, right? That's right. Said, yep. <laughs> yeah, certainly looking forward to that. As uh, it was great to meet him and spend time. He's one of those gentlemen that has time for for everybody, even you know people that uh, just host podcasts. You know what I mean, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, he's a class act. Really, really genuine, nice guy. And as you look around, and I always mention this to you, but you played with all those great players, but. Chris Henderson was on a few weeks ago. They won another title, and you see all these Bruins doing great things. It's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I was texting with Chris the other day. Um, he was saying congrats on the national championship. He's another fantastic guy. And uh, what they've done at Seattle is truly remarkable. Um, the players they've recruited and brought in and to win a national championship or the, to win the MLS Cup, I should say, um, is, is pretty amazing. It's very difficult to do. Um, so full credit to them, but um, yeah. Uh, so I, I was fortunate to work with so many great players in the past, and uh, it's amazing to see they've all gone on to great things and played a, a prominent role in developing uh, soccer in the United States on the men's side and the women's side. Three-time national champion as the top man for Stanford Cardinal, the women's soccer team. They knocked off North Carolina to win the title this year, Paul Ratcliffe. Congratulations on all your success. Good luck next year. Happy holidays, and thanks for being with us. Thanks, Dean. Always great catching up, and happy holidays to you, my friend. Take care. Okay, D1 championship coaches in the books. D2 championship coaches up next. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Jeff Van Dusen, the Director of Operations and Events for United Soccer Coaches, kicked off the show talking about all things convention this year, mid-January in Baltimore. During that time, we'll honor the Coaches of the Year, the great programs, the All-Americans. You can bet that the University of Charleston Golden Eagles men's soccer team will have some All-Americans. And you can also bet that there's a good chance that their head coach, Dan Stratford, could also receive some awards. The Golden Eagles are taking home their second national championship in two years under head coach Dan Stanford. He's been there just three seasons. This is the university's second national title in the history of the University of Charleston, and they do it in back-to-back style with a 2 nothing win over Cal State L.A. And Dan, it seemed to ask all my repeat champions. It never gets old, right? You won it last year. You win it again. Pretty good feeling, coach. Yeah, obviously, um, to take home in 2017 in my, in my first year was, was really, really special. And I, and I think, uh, I'm sorry to say to my 2017 players and staff, I think this one was even more special in 2019 just to feel like, you know, there's, um, there's been a lot that's gone on in, in, in that space of time. And, and, you know, the, the team has evolved a lot as well as, as well as its identity in that time. So, this one just feels a little bit, a little bit more special. Um, so no, I'm obviously, I think I'm just in a position where it's still sinking in and, and a little overwhelmed with, with just how many people have reached out and, and congratulated uh, myself and the program. And and uh, no, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier at this point. Pretty good record, 22-2 and one. It's hard to win that many games. 
I do like the fact that the championship was played at Highmark Stadium in Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh, from where you are, that's not too bad a drive. So I'm hoping there were a lot of Golden Eagles fans there to cheer you guys on. That, that definitely were. It felt, it felt like a home game, I think. You know, that Pittsburgh hosted for the last two years. We were we were really excited at the prospect of, of going that way last year and, and unfortunately fell short in the Sweet 16. Um, so kind of felt like a, a shot of redemption to, to make sure we made it there this year. Um, you know, we, we have a great connection to, to Pittsburgh and to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds at Highmark Stadium. We, we've played them consistently in the spring. We've um, we've almost become a feeder team uh, to the Riverhounds with, with the likes of Thomas Van Kaysil doing so well there at the moment and, and former players like Rob Vincent and Connor Branson um, graduating to, to the Riverhounds first team. So, uh, there's a good connection there. Um, there's a familiarity. It only would have been our, our new recruiting class that came in that would have never played at that stadium, but everyone else would have been familiar with the surroundings, the view, the setting. Uh, and quite honestly, it, it was a fantastic venue um, and setting for to host a championship and, and obviously uh, a really, really special weekend uh, given that we, we came away with the victories. Dan, let's start with your defense and move your way up. And we need to start with your defense because your senior goalkeeper, his last name is Dean. That's the best name out there, right? Let's talk about the defense that you got the shutout. Yeah, it's um, you know what there was a there was a statistic after after the final that I had I had no idea of. Um, so Alvaro and I'm what Dean's been with the program two years. Um, he joined us from uh, from Spain as a as a university transfer in Spain. And um, has, has almost split time over the last two seasons. We've had we've had two competitive goalkeepers really for a long time now, which is a really fortunate position to be in, but also a really difficult position to be in to manage because you know, as you know, um, you're not going to rotate your goalkeeper during the game that where you whereas you might with other outfield players. So he's been incredibly professional with how he's how he's handled that aspect of things and. And, and knew what he needed to do to, to earn the position, um, and, and uh, as understood when we haven't played him. Um, but the statistic that blew my mind was he's he's never lost a game uh, for UC 26-0-2, and, and if I'd have known that, I probably wouldn't have dropped him <laughs> at any point over the last two seasons. So, uh, in fairness to Alvaro, he probably had his best two two games of those 28 that he played. He had his, he saved his best two to the last two. I think he made some pivotal saves early in the game and, and in the first half against Lynn. Uh, and then again on, on Saturday when, you know, we weren't quite at our best, but it, it's so hard to to perform at your peak uh, under that pressure and, and knowing that you've just played uh, I mean, an emotionally draining game and physically demanding game against Lynn only only 36 hours earlier. So really pleased for him, really proud for him, and, and, and uh, an unbelievable way for him to, to finish his, his college career. Well, we know Freddie and Jesus got the goals, but uh, highlight some other defenders and midfielders before we talk about the goal scorers. Yeah, I mean uh, Williams Nadar um, has just been just been immense for us for, for four years. Um, he's a four-year senior. Uh, we have we have a number of those this year, which I think is, has probably made the difference ultimately with the collective bond of the team. But um, I mean, two things to say about about Willie. Firstly. What an unbelievable aerial presence! Uh, fantastic uh, header of the ball. I, I probably didn't fully appreciate how valuable that that skill was and that asset was to a team and, until we we had Willie here at UC. Um, and on top of that, an unbelievable gentleman, young man, like fine young man, just just one of the best personalities, characters. Wears a smile every single day. I, I can't speak highly enough of, of that 
that young man's character and the quality of person he is um, outside of obviously a fantastic player. So um, again, for for me, for him to finish his college career with a national championship this year and obviously two over the course of his of his career with us, uh, I couldn't think of anyone more more deserving than Willie Nadal from that standpoint. Moving up the midfield and your attacking players, who's some other guys that we definitely should remember as part of winning back-to-back titles, Coach? Yeah, that, that, that's a tough one because I think our part of our success this year going forward has been the depth. Um, we've, we've preached it all season. It, it, it obviously takes a little while for for the players to be convinced that that's a good thing, that they're, they're, they're maybe working for 30 minutes, 35 minutes before we rotate. Um, sometimes less. Um, you know that that's a, that's a challenge when you have a lot of good players, uh, and they all want to play. You know, obviously, it's no secret that we have a number of internationals. They're used to a three substitution rule in their respective countries. They're used to playing big, big minutes. Uh, and and here's an environment where you know we have the luxury to rotate, and and it is to our benefit. But internally, there's probably a lot of frustration at different times during the season as to why exactly we're doing that. And that's something that, that that slowly evolved in terms of their level of, um, you know, how, how they bought into that and, and understanding that, um, you know, once they put the team first, they they value and realise how 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 important that is. So to to name just one would be, or or even two or three would 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 be unfair. That unfair. That that collective group um, has done fantastically well. You know, we had freshman players that have come in and scored five, six goals, six or seven assists. And they've all really statistically um, made significant contributions uh, in terms of our output. So, you know, when you when you look at just how effective we were going forward, scoring 87 goals this year, um, that 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 midfield group of really eight or nine players uh, has has been the difference to to our attacking threat, in my opinion. We are here with the top man, Dan Stratford, the head coach of the University of Charleston Golden Eagles out of West Virginia as they win back-to-back titles. And, Dan, you know the deal. I mean, it's really hard to win a national championship because everything's got to go right. you got to stay pretty healthy. you got to get lucky. Sometimes you're dealing with weather and crazy things. I mean, to do it once is something. To do it back-to-back, what was the key? What was the magic sauce to, to do it back-to-back, Coach? I think it's this group of players. I don't, I don't know how much credit I can necessarily take take for it in terms of the bond that, that these players have, has, have developed over the course of the season. Um, one thing I would probably um, highlight this year, which I think was different to, to, to last season, was you know we lost two of the first three games this season, and I think for a lot of your new players coming in. Their doubts, you know, they they maybe don't have the the faith or the trust that the returning players do that that we can turn it around or that we were a good team. Um, you know, I, I I certainly never lost faith and, and nor did the staff in terms of what we were capable of this season. But when you lose two of the first three games and and, and you only got off the plane two and a half weeks earlier, um, you know, you probably didn't don't know any better. So I think that allowed us to value the other wins during the season. Um, you know, there's there's obviously some games in our conference that we've won, traditionally speaking, won relatively comfortable, um, not just this year but in previous years as well. And, and, I, and, and it's an ironic thing to say, but I, I think it, it's, it's something we have to battle where the, to make sure the players don't disregard those wins. Um, and if you're capable of beating a team um, comfortably and, and by a significant margin, uh, you know, uh, ruthlessly, 
uh, we we expect to and we want to. Um, you know, we we never want to take our, our, our foot off the throttle, so to speak. So, I think that helped this year that we had those early losses and 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 then it almost meant more uh, in some games that we won um, that perhaps in previous years we've we've, we've kind of just disregarded or, or moved on quite quickly and. I think as a result, when we when you then win those games, it it, um, it helps collect that you know it helps form that that collective bond within the team. Uh, and, and as I said, that's just something that's that's grown. Um, you know, I've I've been at the program for six years, and we've been to a lot of final fours. It's been a it's been a crazy um, crazy ride, so to speak, in terms of just just what we've accomplished. But I can safely say, of all those teams and of all those years, this is the the, the most special group I've had in terms of just how they interact with one another, how much they seem to get on with one another, love each other. Um, such a diverse group. And, and um, you know, I love just kind of being on the outside, watching those relationships develop and, and, and seeing, um, you know, a kid from New Zealand become best friends with a kid from Spain that he only met three months ago. And, and just little things like that are, are really, really special because, you know, wins and losses are one thing, but, you know, I think the collective bond and, and the friendships and the, and the relationships you develop through your college career are, Something really, really special, and uh, you know, I, I love watching that that grow as much as I've watched enjoying the, the team win this year. And Dan, because this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast, we put a lot of focus on coaches, and you've got a great crew there with Daniel and Travis and Jeremy and Benjamin. Pretty good coaching staff. Talk about them. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, top of that lineup in terms of in terms of Daniel Smee, uh, just an incredible assistant coach, um, and, and just. You know, really, none of this is possible without all of them. I think uh, with with the, the the scale of the operation we have here, with with having a development squad as well, and uh, and twice as many players as what you would have seen at, at just at, uh, at Pittsburgh last weekend. You know, it, it, it's a it's a logistical operation to make sure that we're developing players, providing a quality of environment and quality of um, opportunity to to all the players we recruit and bring through the program, um, and and that really isn't possible without. Uh, the kind of collective buy-in of all of the staff and, and collective effort and the work ethic uh, of our staff is, um, in my opinion, unparalleled. I think, you know, we, we, we work ridiculous hours um, because we love what we do and, and we see that we can be successful and, 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 and we have, a, you know, Smee in particular just has a, a fantastic relationship with the players and, and has his finger on the pulse in terms of what the guys are feeling. Um, he's not afraid to uh, to challenge me and, uh, and to correct me or, um, you know, give a different opinion. And I think that's so important on a staff as well. You know, I don't want people working for me that are just going to be a yes man and, and, and just agree with everything. I'd say I need people to, to be able to challenge it and, and look from it from look at it from a different perspective. So, you know, when, when Smee's able to give that perspective, you know, I really, really value what he, what he has to say. And what's interesting about our group of staff is, is we're all connected by playing together at, at some, some stage or another. So, just as I played with Smee um, previously, I, I played with Travis Travis Brent as well during during a PDL season with uh, what was formerly West Virginia Chaos and knew what he was like as a player. Saw that he went on to play professionally after finishing at Marshall. Um, understood what his mentality was as a as, as a as a player and how that would that would transcend to to a coaching career as well. Um, and just have a ton of respect for. His decision to, to to join us from from being in a in a pretty good position in at Francis Merriam and, and and coming here to try and better himself and and uh, and to grow as a coach and and I have a lot of respect for someone that's willing to do that as um, you know I can relate to that leaving leaving West Virginia to to take this opportunity at UC to to do exactly the same thing to grow as a young coach 
Um, and I think that's it. It's a young staff that it works incredibly hard and, and aspires to be the best they can be and, and wants to continue to develop and continue to grow. So, uh, again, we, we really wouldn't be here without every single one of them and, and the effort that they put into this. We're here with Dan Stratford, head coach for the University of Charleston, Golden Eagles, your back-to-back D2 and champions. Just two more questions for you. And as the longtime journalist and voice of United Soccer Coaches, this one's going to be a little tougher, but I'll see if we get a governor's answer from you or where we're going to go. But uh, obviously you had great success at West Virginia. That job is now open. I know you're going to tell me you're still enjoying the fact that you've won back-to-back titles, but Knowing that you played at West Virginia, that's got to be something that you're looking at a little bit, Dan. What's your answer on that? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's, it's no secret that there's um, obviously a, a strong connection there in terms of my playing career and, and coaching career. Um, you know, I think I've talked a lot, obviously, on this call about the collective bond that our players uh, had here this year. And, you know, that, that reminds me of, of, of what I had as a player at West Virginia University and and quite honestly, that's 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 the way I look at it. I want the players that I've had uh, or that I've coached to, to feel the same way about their college career when they look back on things as I do at my time at West Virginia. So I think it's 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 a natural, uh, an obvious question or, or a natural connection to, to associate me with with that position. But ultimately, um, you know, I I am in a fantastic position here. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, I love West Virginia. Uh, I believe blue and gold, but. I've been at UC for six years now, so now I bleed blue, gold, and maroon. Um, and we're in a fantastic position here to sustain the success that we've had. So, um, you know, right now I'm I'm, I'm really happy, and, and uh, you already answered it for me, right? I'm just enjoying what we've been able to achieve, trying to digest that, trying to let it all sink in, uh, and then hopefully have a fantastic Christmas following that. But, um, you know, at, at this stage, uh, you know, my... Uh, my intentions are to make sure that, that, that UC is in a position to sustain the success it's had and, and hopefully go and win another one in 2020. All right, great answer. One of the things that uh, we do like seeing you after Christmas at the convention, particularly after you win a championship, you're allowed to walk down the halls with a little bit more giddy up in your step, if you know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> United Soccer Coaches does so much for coaches at all levels. Just remind everybody what you've enjoyed about the organization, Dan. No, I, I think it's I think it's great that um, not just myself, but but the staff, as I said, a, a young staff, and and we have a sense of humility as well that we want to continue to better ourselves as coaches, uh, and obviously the resources that are available to us through United Soccer Coaches, the convention, um, you know, some of those master classes and clinics that go on during that week, uh, just exactly what's accessible through through the website and and, and other avenues. Um, it just helps us get better, you know, even if. Um, you took one thing away from the convention, it, it's still going to improve you as a coach. Um, so to have that type of access and, and uh, the availability of resources and information that way, it's only going to improve myself and, and the rest of the coaches. And, 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 you know, we try and take advantage of that, not just at the convention, but throughout the year, the the, um, the emails that we continue to receive with little tactical things and, and training ideas. Again, any, any small things like that you can take are only going to better you over the course of, of, of time. So... Um, we're certainly appreciative of that and, and uh, you know, grateful for everything that United Soccer Coaches do. Dan Trafford, head coach, University of Charleston and West Virginia, back-to-back D2 men's champions, and that means back-to-back visitors on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Congratulations, Dan. Enjoy it, and we'll see you in Baltimore, okay? Thanks very much. Take care. Team 
Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. We're talking to four national championship coaches in addition to Jeff Van Dusen, who set the table for this year's convention. Once again, you will see Jeff Hosler hopefully walking the halls in Baltimore. He's the head coach at Grand Valley State. And in a season where the offense has been the story, it was the defense that stood tall to keep the Lakers alive until Gianna Parlov's golden goal in the 107th minute gave Grand Valley State Lakers their sixth, count them, sixth national championship in program history with a one nothing win over the always good Western Washington team. The Lakers are national champs for the first time since 2015, ending their season 25-1-0. Their only loss was to Minnesota State, but they got them back in the tournament. Jeff Hostler is their head coach, and he's won three titles in six years as the head coach at Grand Valley State. That's a pretty good percentage. There's a lot of baseball players that would take that 500 percentage toss. Jeff Hostler, the man, always love having you on the program. Congrats on being a champ again. Yeah, really appreciate being here. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, what do you say? If you're 300 in baseball, you're an all-star. So, um, you've done pretty well, you know, pretty well here. And, you know, obviously very, very blessed, uh, with a great group of kids, uh, great support from our administration and couldn't be more thrilled, uh, you know, for, for the season they've had and, and putting the cherry on top, certainly. Grand Valley State, 25-1-0, another national championship, 9-0 in conference play. Dave Diani coached there. You came right in, kept on going what he's doing as well. But remind everybody where in the world Grand Valley State is and what makes it such a special place, not just for women's soccer, because you guys are legit with a capital L, but what makes it a great place, Coach? Well, you know, we're located just outside Grand Rapids, Michigan, on the west side. And, uh, you know, for all Michiganders, you know, we show everything with our, our hand, our mitten. Uh, but... You know, Grand Rapids is a really, uh, you know, kind of going through an economic boom right now, uh, growing a lot. Uh, the downtown uh, has completely been revitalized uh, with a lot of growth there. So there's a lot of things to do. Uh, we have tremendous graduate programs as well on our downtown campus. So, you know, it's a very, uh, it's a great place for young kids, for college kids, uh, for young professionals. Um, there's a lot going on, a lot of great restaurants and such. And, um, you know, I, I think they claim to be a beer city USA. So I think there's plenty of stuff going on here in Grand Rapids. And, um, you know, the campus is incredible here at Grand Valley. Uh, we're a pretty large school, you know, with 26,000 students, including our graduate programs. Uh, not too far from Lake Michigan, which isn't great this time of year, but it's incredible in July and August. We mentioned, uh, your offense. You have three players with more than 20 goals. Those same three players have more than 50 points. You have one player in Ava Cook with 70 points. That is a ton of offense. As you guys scored 117 goals and gave up only 10. Talk about that style of play, maybe those three players. And it wasn't even one of those three, as we said earlier, as Gianna scored the winner that scored the winner in the championship game. But i got to repeat that, folks. 117 goals for just 10 against. Yeah, we, um, I mean, offensively, you know, really exploded this year, clearly. Um, 
you know, and that's playing, you know, we played nine teams ranked in the top 25 this year as well. So this is our, our toughest strength of schedule in school history. Um, you know, and those are three really special kids. You know, Ava really exploded on the scene last year as a sophomore, um, you know, picked up even more pieces. She had a position change this year that took her a little further from goal, uh, but but still, uh, you know, had five more goals on the season than she did a year ago. Chantel Carranza was an incredible redshirt freshman for us, you know, scoring, I think, on 23 for the season. And then, you know, our senior, Rico Sagara, uh, you know, our national player of the year was just incredible all year. Um, great junior year. Uh, she was one shy of our school record in assists a year ago as a junior with 23. Uh, this year she was a 2020 kid, so she actually scored 20 goals and I think ended with 23 assists. Uh, so, you know, we had a couple of offensive categories that we set school records for. You know, our sports information department, uh, you know, found that there's never been a school in, in Division II history for sure that's had three 20 goal scores um, or three players ranked in the top uh, five in the country in goals and points uh, the way that our kids did. And, uh, you know, really, really proud of the, the offensive work. And, and defensively, obviously, only conceded 10 goals. We probably conceded more goals in the postseason than we would have liked to. Um, but, uh, you know, incredible effort all the way through. You scored all those goals, but talk a little bit about uh, your goalkeeper as well. Her goals against average .37. I know Abby played a little bit, but Jessica was phenomenal. She was. You know, she really uh, stepped up big uh, in her junior year. You know, she, she got some, some sparse minutes as a freshman. Last year was our full-time starter. But her growth from sophomore to junior year was incredible. In that national final, you know, she set uh, her career uh, record uh, with, with eight saves uh, against a Western Washington team that was just all over us in the second half. And she stood tall, her defense stood tall. Um, you know, I think we were very, very fortunate to walk away as national champions, you know, from that single uh, game performance. And she had a lot of support, too. You know, we had incredible back line. Seth Steinwasher uh, is a you know, third-time All-American now in her junior year. Uh, she went down with an injury midway through that second half. And, you know, I thought our kids did a really good job to show resiliency and step up and play even harder to see that out. I like your coaching staff. Remember, this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. But a lot of times we'll see, like at Minnesota, Stephanie Golan, it's all females. And then maybe with the North Carolina Courage, it's all men. You've got a nice combination of men and women. Talk about how you put this coaching staff together. Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, I, I personally think it's really important to have, you know, females on staff and working with the women's game. Uh, I think it brings some additional perspective to things, um, opportunities to connect with players. Um, you know, but honestly, like, I, I'm looking to put the best coaches I can together on my staff, and I'm, I'm really blessed, really fortunate to have this group to work with. Um, you know, Annette Stromberger has been with me for a long time, played for me back in my coaching days at Alma College, uh, helped me there and moved over to Grand Valley when I got this job back in 2014. And, uh, you know, Megan Link and Dustin were both uh, new hires for me uh, when, when Krista Walker had to step away. Um, and they've been incredible, you know, stepping right in. Uh, you know, they've been a sponge through this whole process. Uh, they work incredibly hard and, um, you know, really fortunate, as I mentioned. You mentioned the time that uh, you spent at Alma where you were a pretty good coach there as well. But, People are going to take notice. We just had Dan Stratford on. He played at West Virginia. That job is open. It's going to be obvious. They're going to look at him. People are going to recognize what you've done there, Jeff. Obviously, 
You've got a D2 juggernaut there, but people are going to say, hey, I want to talk to the Haas. I want to talk to Jeff Hosler. You've got ties to Big Ten being from East Lansing. What if they do call, Jeff? How do you handle that? Well, I'd be, you know, I'd be flattered by any any interest from from other programs. Uh, but I'm, as I mentioned, I've said it over and over, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity here. You know, they took a shot on me. I, I thought we put together a really good program in my time at Alma College. Uh, you know, we really built it, um, you know, into a, a, a program that was competing or winning league titles every year uh, when they had had no real success uh, the first 25 years of its existence. And, uh, you know, Tim Selgo at the time, our athletic director here at Valley, took a chance on a V3 guy when he had incredible candidates available, um, you know, to lead this program and continue what Dave Danny had built uh, in terms of the foundation, national reputation here at Grand Valley. So, um you know, where we are, as you mentioned, we're from East Lansing. Uh, my wife and I both uh, born and raised there. Uh, you know, we have a lot of ties here with our, uh, you know, family being in Michigan. And, uh, we love our summers, uh, you know, up north in, in Boyne City. So uh, we love Michigan. Uh, we really feel fortunate the opportunity we have. Grand Rapids is amazing. And, um, you know, for now, I'm, I'm really happy and, um, you know, uh, looking to continue to, you know, as, as I mentioned my ED yesterday, uh, you know, 2019 is incredible, and we're already working on 2020. Looking at your record through six seasons, it's 138, 11, and 4. So the obvious question is, how in the world did you lose 11 games, Hot? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, being out coached is one way. Um, <laughs> you know, so. Obviously, I'm, I'm having fun with you. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it is. Um, you know, again, it's – I've been so blessed the incredible players I've had uh, that we've recruited here. And, and to, be, to be honest, like, the only reason this happens is because, uh, you know, that first first and second year that I was here at Grand Valley, those kids that have been recruited by Dave, uh, bought into his culture and, and his philosophies, you know, were willing to open their hearts, open their minds to me. Um, and, and while we did some things similar, we did some other things different. And that takes a lot of courage uh, for players, especially that had had success you know, to do that with somebody else uh, and take that leap of faith. And I think it's clearly, you know, served us well uh, over my time here. And, uh, you know, it's so great this weekend to see so many alum in Pittsburgh there supporting us, uh, there to give big hugs, uh, you know, following that championship, uh, get pictures with the trophy again. And, and I've had several alumni come back into the area over the last couple of days to visit the office and, and obviously outpouring the messages. So, um, I think we've built a really, really strong family culture here, and, and I think everyone talks about that. And uh, but I think uh, you know we have something really special. Speaking of special, just two more questions. You mentioned Michigan, great state. I grew up. We had a cottage in Beulah, just outside of Traverse City, Sleeping Bear Sand Dunes, from age six to sixteen, and it's a hidden gem. In fact, it used to be one of those things where I wouldn't tell a whole lot of people because I didn't want other people up there coming around, you know. But really, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Living living in Michigan, living in Grand Rapids, but then having access to the Upper Peninsula and up near Traverse City, it is a special special state, isn't it? There's no question, you know. And, and Michiganders all know about the lake life, and uh, you know, I, there's no secret. Sleeping Bear Dunes is, is awfully impressive. You know, Dustin Dustin Smith and, and Megan, as I mentioned, came to our staff back in February, March, and uh, you know, Dustin's a Florida native, uh, Megan's a St. Louis native. And those are that's one of the first things they had on their list that they had to check out is being a tourist in their their new home state. Uh, but the lake life's incredible. Um, there's so much access to it, and 
you know, it's something we do with our team. You know, every year we go to uh, – we stay in Petoskey and train there. Very fortunate. You know, Zach Yonker, the United Soccer Coaches uh, member, um, you know, helps us out with some facilities in terms of training fields. Uh, we spent some time at the cottage and it hit the lake for sure. And then finally, and uh, I know I'm a little bit uh, repetitive, but uh, when you win three titles in six years, you're going to hear some of the same questions. United Soccer Coaches, how has that organization helped you, Coach? It's been incredible. I'm, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be in Baltimore uh, this January. That'll be my, I think, ninth in a row, and I think I've maybe been 15 times in my coaching career. So uh, there's always things you can pick up. You know, as a coach, you know, if you're not challenging yourself to grow, uh, and being comfortable and, and getting different environments, you know, you can't ask your kids to do that. And we try to lead by example as a staff, and I think it's clearly served us well. Um, you know, there's incredible camaraderie, you know, among the coaches in this country and beyond. And, uh, you know, it's been it's been very um, humbling to me the number of people that have reached out, you know, that are United Soccer Coaches members or or coaches in the in the community that you know, shown support for us, and, and we've bounced ideas on and off of uh, each other over the years, and certainly looking forward to reconnect with a lot of those people uh, here in, a bun- in about a month or so. Who cares about LeBron and Anthony Davis Lakers? These are the real Lakers, the Grand Valley State Lakers. They have won three titles in the last six years. Jeff Hostler is their head coach. Haas, thanks for being on the program. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Gene. Really appreciate it. You know, happy holidays to you and uh, all the best. We thank Jeff Hostler, all of our championship coaches, and Jeff Van Dusen, the great director of operations and events and the czar of the United Soccer Coaches Convention. It'll take place in Baltimore mid-January. Please register today. I also want to thank Michael Knipper, Sean Chevrolet, Lynn Burling Manuel, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, Pat Madden, Steve Veal, Jeff Farnsworth, all of them great people, and they're great at what they do. I'm Dean Linke. See you same time, same channel next week as we count down toward the United Soccer Coaches Convention mid-January in Baltimore. Have a great day, everybody.